this is Chris from Internal Bleeding, and I just got completely fucked up. I am so drunk <laughs> listening to Metal Beer and Bullshit. You should listen, too. Hey, Metalheads, Beer Drinkers, and Bullshitters. This is Sean. This is Juan. This is BN. And we're back with a special, uh, this isn't one of our normal podcasts. This is, we've managed to get a hold of an interview with Chris Prevellis from Internal Bleeding. An old friend of mine. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear it. So sit back, grab a beer, and check this shit out. Hey, nothing much, man. Nothing much. All right, you ready to start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's All right. It. We're here with uh, my uh, my other hosts, uh, Sean and Juan. Hey, man, how you okay, doing? cool. Hey, what's going Good, on? Good, how are you? Killing Sorry it. About the Sorry about the delay. The last, the last half hour coming home to my house is like a complete dead zone for my phone. It sucks. <laughs> Yikes. So, uh, I got home and I'm like, um, I got home and I'm like, I uh, better check Facebook because and then I saw your message. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, it happens. At, at least you're, yeah, yeah, at least, at least you're home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we're hooking up, so that's good. All right, you ready to go? Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to start with uh, you guys started in '91. Um, what difference do you see in '91 to 2020 in music-wise? Uh, in, in in our music or in the music scene in general? Uh, the, in our music, uh, the music business of it, and everything like that. Okay. So, uh, so like a general question. Okay, cool. So, like, all right, with our music, I think, I think our music is as like all of the whole music scene has kind of grown as far as technicality and precision and songwriting. I think, um, you know, uh, in the early nineties, everybody was still finding their way. Um, and death metal and things like that was still a kind of a new genre. So people were still trying to find their way and, you know, sounds, uh, everybody kind of sounded different and all that. And then, the, the wheat kind of weeded itself out and, we're kind of here where we are now, where there's, uh, you know, a flourishing underground with, with a lot of bands that are really, really competent and really technically excellent. And so from that aspect, it's really cool. I do think, though, uh, we've regressed a little in as far as uh, some songwriting stuff. I think um, a lot of bands tend to be same-samey. Um, and they all take the same kind of approach. So that's a little bit of a negative, you know, trying to balance it out and see where everything is. Um, but, uh, so that's it from a music perspective, from, uh, from, 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 uh, an industry's perspective, obviously the industry has been gutted by, uh, well, basically gutted the physical industry has been basically gutted by digital media. Um, I think everybody knows that, you know, even, even far back in 91, which actually it is far back. It's 20, whatever, 26 years. Um, you know, people, people, people were consuming physical formats. They were buying CDs, you know, they're buying cassettes. So that, that's, that's all, that's all but gone except for like, you know, hardcore death undergrounders who still, uh, thankfully buy physical material. But the mass market doesn't do it anymore. You know, it's all Spotify and all that stuff. So that's that's a big 
to me, that's a big change too. I, that's probably one of the biggest changes I've seen. I mean, it's incredible to see how the digital, how, how digital media has just grown, you know? Um, and that, that translates into how bands promote themselves. Bands used to promote themselves via mail, via going out and touring their asses off and playing as many gigs as wherever they could as possible to get their name out and, you know, so people would go see them. And now it's, uh, you know, you post live on Facebook, you do this, you do that. So the, so the, even the band promotion angle has changed so much over this time period. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing, you know, um, it's kind of cool to be my age, I guess, you know, I don't like being old, but, uh, kind of cool being my age to have lived through this whole, revolution of sorts in the in the underground and in the music industry in general uh, it's i mean this is showing by the way chris um uh, it's it's kind of gonna blow your mind we're we're right around the same age we're all in our i think i'm we're all 46 ish i'm 45 oh, all right yeah so i mean okay. it, i mean it's got to kind of blow your mind seeing like vinyl and cassette coming back the way it has i mean vinyl i mean as a as a physical media i think last year for the first time out sold cd yeah and now like cool is that? It's amazing. And then cassettes are, are taken off again, which, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of fucking torn about that because cassettes suck to begin with. So Yeah, I never liked cassettes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's that nostalgia thing, you know? It's, it's, um, so you, you said you were 45? Well, I'm, I'm 46, Juan's 46, and uh, John's 45. Okay, so did you guys, did you guys, okay, did you guys grow up on vinyl or CDs? Uh, actually, cassette and vinyl, and some eight track. Believe it or not. Okay, me too. Me say... too. Okay, so that's that's where I started was cassette, cassette and vinyl. And it, when I was real uh, young, in like in in seventy two and seventy four, there was some eight track in there. So yeah, so for us, it's really wild to see vinyl coming back because vinyl was when you were a teenager. I mean, you know, which is which is ages ago for you <laughs> and yeah, me. And not only and not only that, like. The vinyl's worth a fucking fortune. Like I'm, I'm a big Asfix fan, and trying to find Asfix vinyl. I mean, you're paying out the fucking ass for everything. It's crazy. So, are you talking like an original Asfix vinyl that they might have put out, you know, like the rack or something like that? No, I actually. Well, oh my god. Um, oh, what's the one after the rack? Um, oh, geez. oh, this is terrible. My fucking god, the rack is the rack is my favorite one. So. Yep. Well, my head. Yeah, well the original I mean original presses of the rack are up well over two hundred bucks. Um Wow. That's but, crazy. But I got one of their more recent ones that was a was a repress. It wasn't even out on Century and I think I paid I think seventy five or eighty bucks for it. Wow. I mean and it's And well, you know, they, they also keep they also keep these things to a low production number too. So that adds to the um that kind of adds to the market frenzy, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, your your latest one is 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 already is starting to pick up in value. So, I I know it's 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 pretty. Yeah, I just saw on eBay somebody's trying to sell signed <laughs> vinyl for two hundred bucks, which is I don't know. You ask me, that's insane. But uh, some of it, I'm a bit yeah. torn. Like I was at a record show this morning, and they were they they were asking stupid prices for some anything Misfits or Sam Hain. It, it, it brings stupid money too, you know. I, I, but you know what? I mean, you know, I'm a free market guy, and I'm I'm all for capitalism. So you know, it's like, you know, I'm torn about the, my album selling for 200 bucks. But then on the other hand, I'm like, if somebody's willing to pay for it, 
somebody who loves a band that much is going to pay 200 bucks, or somebody's going to pay some exorbitant amount of money for a mixed album or, or, or a Chowain album or something like that, well, then, you know, who am I to stop them? Oh, yeah, but for I sure. Just, I, think, I, think, I, I, I just think it sucks because, uh, I don't know. I have a problem with this as related to cars because I'm into muscle cars, you know, and all these uh, all these real rich people who really don't care about muscle cars at all are buying up muscle cars and jacking up the prices. So people like me who are, you know, I, I do well. Uh, I'm not rich by any means, but I do well. But, but I'm getting priced out of the market for being able to get something that I, I, I really love. You know, and these people just don't like, you know, they don't care. They just look at it as an investment. It's just, it's not a car. It's it's just another investment. And I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of record collectors that, that you know, they'll look at, uh, I'm not saying everybody, I'll look at a Black Sabbath first press and be like, oh, next year that'll be worth X. I'm going to buy it, you know, and I, I that I don't like. No, I, but I get it. I get I get it. It's, it's, it's the market and I get it all. It doesn't mean that I don't have to have like a, a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth about it. That's all. No, I, I agree. I, th I think, I mean, there, there's about 20% of me that gets the whole collecting for value. I mean, because honestly, I want my record collection to pass to my kids. But at the same time, I mean, fuck, it's a record. It's meant to be listened to, not fucking stared at, you know? And it's the same with cars, exactly. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, listen, I don't care about staring at records. If you buy it and you don't listen to it, but you love to stare at the artwork and the you know, one of the great things about records is it's such a big fucking format, and the artwork's in your face. And and you remember when you were when you were younger. Now, without the internet, you know, I hate doing this, but I hate aging myself and 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 being nostalgic like this. But you know, you used to learn about the band by looking at the vinyl and looking at the credits and looking at the big pictures and all that. That's how you learned, that's how you learned about the band, you know? And you, it was, uh, it was a very, it was a very three dimensional experience when you bought, when you bought vinyl and, back, and you, then, back then, you know, one of the best ones like that you're, you're saying that one of the best ones was somewhere in time from Iron Maiden. That had to be one of the best fucking album covers of all time to yeah, just you pick just, shit out. Yeah. Like, you just sit there and look at all their singles and all their albums. Like we're in right, that right, cover. Right. And that's what I do. I I love I love buying vinyl because I buy the stuff that I want to listen to and that I love bands that I love and it's just I don't know. I'm a collector because I want to hear it, I want to see it, and I want to have it. I'm a, I'm right, a collector. Right, right, right. That's awesome. I'm a collector of music in general, and I don't just stick to vinyl. I buy CDs, and if I really like that album on CD, then I'll go out and buy the vinyl. Um, I'm I'm really hoping someday you guys put out your first album on vinyl because uh, I we're, love we're, that. We're 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 working on it. We're working on it. It's got legal stuff to go through. Nice. You just got three big yeah, so fist, it, three big it, fist pumps it, right there. It, yeah, three first, three buyers. Our first, our, <laughs> our first three albums are being worked on. Our first three albums are being worked on, like getting getting everything cleared copyright wise and all that stuff, so we can gain control of it back and put it out on vinyl. You know, it I, sucks that some of the master. It sucks that the master tapes for for, for those first three albums are all gone. Because uh, I would have loved to remix the first album um, or or put out the original version of the first album that nobody's ever heard before Scott Burns got his hands on it. You know, because it, it was way better. Um, 
love it. How many people say that? How many people say that? Like, I've really never heard that before. That's great. Do you know what? I've actually seen a couple interviews where they've said people have said they wish they had the Masters before Scott Burns touched them. Wow. Yeah. You're about the second or third right. one I've I've heard say that now. I don't feel wrong about Scott Burns. I love I love he does some great productions, but our music was our music was different and not amenable to Scott Burns' sound. It needed more of a uh, kind of like a New York hardcore street sound, and, and Scott Burns was trying to cram it into that that death metal thing, and that's that's not you know I mean we're a death metal band, but our sound was completely different than what everybody else was doing. It was it was much more street vibe, hip hop kind of you know, and that's the original production sounds like that. It's a super punchy, you know, and 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 gritty and, and really cool. I thought it was really cool, and um, you know, and then Pavement decided they wanted to have Scott Burns' name on it to sell it more. And uh, real we, quick, we I... couldn't go down. The, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish. finish. And Pavement wouldn't give us the money to fly down there to oversee the mixing and everything like that. So I've heard it ended up being. I'm not happy with it. I, I, I was never happy with it. But a lot of people like the production, too. So, you know. I just love I know that my, album. I have my... <laughs> thank you. But uh, I, I, I was going to chime in here and say, you know, as you were talking about your style there, I feel it's it's criminal about, you know, there's this new death core that everybody's talking about, but here you guys been doing this since 91. And I'm not saying oh your death core... But don't get me. Don't get me. You don't have to get me started. You you were you were doing <laughs> you were doing the New York like hardcore music to death metal way before you know all these bands that are doing it now. And oh, yeah, oh, totally. And I still think it's better than what these bands are doing now. I, I think they're too oh, well, too cheesy at it. They don't write riffs. Right. They, they rely on an eight uh, an eight string guitar, and uh, they just don't write riffs. It's not, there's no, some bands, I, I like some, some deathcore bands that have good riffs, but it's all like the, I don't know, it's all kind of the same thing. You, you get know? lost uh, after a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's so uh, boring, in my yeah, eyes. But the kids, but the kids love it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're... You know, every break, every, every breakdown's the same. It's not, it's, and, and that's the problem to me, you know, um, and what people think is like slam or, or. With deathcore, it's like it's all about that 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 breakdown riff, and it's not that's not what it's about. It's about being constantly groovy and and hooky at the and, and always always have a always be hooky and always be groovy. And even the fast parts that you have to be able to, you have to be able to nod your head to. You know that's what to me that's what it's about. You're, that's what keeps the crowd moving the whole show. Not when the crowd's sitting there waiting for that one uh, riff, you know. But when you when you go to an IB show, everybody's moving the whole time because every riff is hooky, every riff is catchy, everything is groovy all the time, and that's I think that's a I think that's a loss on a lot of people. Well, I mean, that's which is good. I'm I'm glad it's lost on a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's like the essence of all New York music, isn't it? If you don't want to punch your best friend in the face like the whole show, like something's fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <man. laughs> exactly. Exactly, you know, and, and it's and it's and it's 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 part New York hardcore, it's part New York hip hop, you know, it's 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 part disco from New York City from the seventies. It's all that stuff wrapped up into 
you know, into aggressive music, you know, and um, it's a very New York thing, I guess, because, you know, New York stuff is a hub of a lot of cool music, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, we we kind of grew up going up, we did Lamore, The Ritz, I don't, I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, hell yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you used to do the, John used to do the Limelight or any of that No, stuff, I never but... did the Limelight, I did Studio One a lot in Newark, um, uh, and that's how I found Internal Bleeding, was we went up to see Suffocation, and, um, and this is a funny story. I was telling these guys before we started this. I got a, a flyer from you guys. And you know how back in the day you got the pocket full of flyers after a show. You put it, you get home, you put yeah. it on the dresser. Next day I'm looking through right. them. And I, I, I looked at the, uh, it was the cover of the dollar demo. And I was like, right. I was like, oh my God, these guys look amazing. This looks like it's going to be like, you know, brutal as hell. And I sent you guys a dollar and I never got my tape. <laughs> <laughs> wow! No way! That's bullshit! I can't believe that. Yeah, I never <laughs> got very that. diligent about. And in the meantime, now I've been following you guys since that. Like when you got signed to uh, Wild Rags, I got the uh, the CD. And then uh, when you were talking about Pavement, I was doing a zine at the time, and uh, they sent me your uh, your first album, which is in my top ten death metal albums. And uh, oh, thank you. And I was good friends with uh, uh, the publicist there, Tammy Crutchfield. Tammy, yeah, Tammy's awesome. I still talk to her. Yeah, I still do too. I love Tammy. And uh, I yeah, got to see you guys awesome. in uh, in uh, 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 the Milwaukee Metal Fest. And Frank, oh, nice. I, I did an interview with your old singer Frank, and Frank uh, pulled our zine out and like you know pu- you know pumped us up there. And after that, I got a lot of Midwest uh, you know connections in. So awesome. I've been following you guys so since made, then. That, so that made up. So that so that made up for the fact that we screwed you on the one dollar. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> it was. It was. You know, he might I actually owe you more money. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't don't feel bad that you I'll screwed pay, him. I'll pay pal you. I'll pay pal you a dollar. Oh no, no, he needs to pay pal you about twenty dollars now. <laughs> Trust me, the way I he feel, spells, dude, you're feel, probably. I feel, I, I feel awful, man, because we're. We, I think that we were one of the most diligent bands as far as sending stuff out. I don't know how it slipped through the cracks. It happened to all of us, so. But, mm. but yeah, it happened to all of us. We're, we're motioning to each other here about something. I can't read them. But uh, in the meantime, no, that's, like I said, that's how I found you guys. Um, can I, uh, can we go into, the, like, the last album? Sure, yeah, I'd love to. All right, uh, in 2018, you put out uh, Corrupting the Influence. This was the first album without uh, without Brian Hobby and Billy Tully. Uh, how was it right. recording? You know, without your two brothers in arms from you know the beginning. Oh man, uh, it's a lot easier. It, it was okay, so it's a lot easier recording without Brian because Brian is around, and I always talk to Brian, and we're always friends, and. You know, and we parted amicably, amicably because he couldn't tour. So there was no melancholy of not rec- without Brian around because everything was settled and we're friends. And I just saw him on July 4th and this and that. Uh, the Billy thing was really, um, it didn't hit me until after we were done recording, I guess. Okay. Um, because we were so focused on making sure Kyle was killing it, you know, and you have to kind of, I, you can't, you can't, I couldn't have Billy in my head while, while Kyle was in the studio. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, right. we had a, you know, me and Chris, me and Chris McCarthy pretty much oversaw the, the recording and made sure everything was right. You know? Um, 
so we you know we were focused on Kyle, but 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 and and Kyle killed it. Um, but when we were done, I think both me and Chris had a big hole. And Chris wasn't in the band when we recorded Imperium, but which was our album before that. But but Chris was always friends with Bill, you know, and we were like, we were both like, this is wild, man. Uh, you know, uh, some of these songs Bill helped write, and and he didn't get to record on them, and, and uh, we had a weird hole kind of in our stomach about that. You know, it was very strange. But um, I try to console myself and try to say, you know. Um, Bill was with us in spirit, so um, I think he's always with us in spirit. I I, I really but think it, so too. Uh, it doesn't help. Um, there was uh, there was a couple of days after we were recording that I had a little pit in my stomach, and I was just kind of really upset about it. Um, but I, I couldn't let it happen in the studio. You know, you could, I I couldn't allow it to happen in the studio. You know, business has to take precedence over your emotions. So. Um, Thank God I was able to block it out. I'm also, listen, I'm also, that was, that was tough. That was real tough. But I'm also, God, you know, we've been around so long that we've been through so many fucking member changes. Um, you also kind of get used to the fact that somebody's here today and somebody, and somebody's gone tomorrow. The only difference is, of course, with Bill, is I can't pick up the phone and call Bill, where I could pick up the phone and call Brian, or I can email, I can text Keith. Or, or I still speak to Jay Liff every day, almost every day, you know, on all basis. So, um, and Sean Kennedy, I still talk to. So, it's it's just weird. But, um, you know, we drop band members all the time, but we always stay friends. It's That's cool. That, you know, things don't things don't work. Yeah, never. I don't think. I don't think ever there was ever one uh, a a point where a band member left because of a huge spat or a giant fight. It was usually like either, you know, uh, I've only I've only literally thrown out one member, and uh, that was because of drugs. Um, everybody else left on their own accord. It was either listen, I got a better opportunity, or um, you know, uh, it's just not working. I can't commit to it. You know, stuff like that. You know, and, and you can't get mad at somebody for that. You know. And fortunately, we only stayed friends, you know, with, with, with all the ex-bandmakers. So that's, uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you, you know, still being able to talk to all your, your past members, because you, you do make a moment of history being in a band. You know, it might not be the biggest history in the world, but you, oh, it is to somebody. Man. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to keep those connections, you know, um, it's like we got this giant family, and it's it's you know uh, I always say Eternal Bleeding is a stepping stone for for bigger bands because you know Guy was in the band, then he went to Suffocation. Charlie, the ba- Charlie Suffocation's guitarist, now played a whole bunch of shows with IB, you know, and now he's in Suffocation. So it's like it's like we're the uh, we're the we're the farm club for you're the farm <laughs> you're the tryout to to Suffocation. Yeah, which 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 is kind of annoying, but uh, it's all right, you know. You just um, you I just pushed, toured with them. I pushed Charlie. Yeah, I pushed uh, 2014 into it. Okay, but you you said you put. Ju- you, I wish that was just. That was uh, what is it? Oh my god! Six years ago. ago. I don't mm-hmm. know. Just just seems to be a little bit longer. A little every year, you know. Oh my fucking god! You ain't kidding. <laughs> it's it, you know the show he was talking about that he got your flyer from. I think that was ninety two. That was malevolent and suffocation at Lemoore during a fucking hurricane. 
And that was... Oh, my God. I remember that. Yep. There was, I think there was eight people there, and we basically sat on the stage while Malevolent played all of Ten Commandments and half a Retribution. <laughs> yep. So we were... Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I used to love going to Lemoore's. My oh, favorite show on Lemoore was... I think it was 92 and 93 was at DSI. That oh. was one of the most violent, we were, out-of-control shows. We were there for both of those shows. Who were the openers? Uh, I was only... Oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, happened. yeah. The uh, the openers like, were cancer and uh, dismember, maybe. Uh, I can't remember. They played well. They played there twice, and one of the shows it was cancer. Dis- <laughs> all the openers were cancer, dismember, Vader, and I forget Dem- demolition hammer and demolition hammer. Those were the four openers, but that was over two shows, like less than a year apart, and I can't remember which. And they were violent. Yeah, they were brutal. Yeah, I don't remember the opening show. I just remember uh, I, I just remember Glenn Beck saying, all right, follow the fucking bouncing ball. And next thing you know, uh, they went into the lunatic of God's creation. And yes. I, I, must have, I, must, I must have got punched in the face like 11 times in three <laughs> seconds. I know I have one of them on VHS uh, as a bootleg. Oh, man, those shows back then were so Oh my God! They were so violent. Yeah, do you I remember, love that club? Do you remember the steel trash cans getting tossed into the pit? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking. And that and Dan Lilk are standing at the back of the show. Like, are always the two things that stick out the most in my mind. Oh man, good times. <laughs> but uh, you've been through uh, the ringer of labels. Um, what yeah. without uh, getting. Uh, personal about it what was your favorite what was your worst wow (laughs) (laughs) i mean you you did touch on pavement there a little bit um we all have bad oh i have bad stories about pavement you know not tammy you know what you know what you don't know never tammy my god she's a saint yeah um pavement started out fucking great pavement started out really great um, as a label and then man they just went downhill and, and they took us down with them you know and we couldn't get out of a contract and uh, we made some stupid mistakes and in, in like uh, they had us they had us for two albums and we decided to do Driven Conquer with them because they convinced us that they had money again and this and that which uh, you know we should have been shopping to another label but um so uh, pavement, I hate. I, I dislike the most because they, they they screwed up our career because we could have been. We should we should be top. We should be a, we should be a top tier death metal band. Okay? Considering the the plethora is not even a good enough descriptor for the amount of bands that that have bitten off the internal bleeding sound and how influential we are. Um, I never got the respect for it, um, and a lot of that has to do with the with pavement. Um, well, the other labels, I mean, Olympic, uh, we, we were on Olympic shortly. Um, we put out a compilation with Olympic, and then we were planning on doing an album with them. Um, and Marty from Olympic, that would probably be, well, second favorite label would be Olympic, even though we were on them for like maybe a year. We didn't even get to put the album out with them because Marty sold to Century Media. And Century Media was good. They were fair. They were uh, good people. Um, I don't think they gave us enough promotion, but they were still good people, and they were they were eminently fair. Um, they didn't do anything shady. Um, and then that comes to Unique Leader, which was 
um, which I like a lot. Um, you know, I had a really good relationship with Eric, may he rest in peace. And then I knew Eric since the early 90s. So IB was a big project for him, you know, and um, we got along really well. And anything we wanted while he was alive, anything we wanted, he would do. You know, we were like, you know, we put out that single Final Justice, and that was just an idea that popped into my head. I'm like, yeah, you know, before we before our new album comes out, let's let's put out a teaser, let's put out a video, blah blah blah. We asked Eric if he wanted to do it, he jumped all over it, you know. Um, and that, to me, that's 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 a label. You know, they were all for it, they were all for pushing it, and Eric always uh, had our back. Unfortunately, he died like right when our Corrupting Influence album came out, so. Um, the release of that got fucked up royally. Has you know? a lot, um, has a lot changed with that what? label since he's gone. I mean, they, I mean, I know they're they're kind of responsible for for the bloodletting tour, which you guys were on twelve, and then I for, oh, what's the other one that they do? It's, oh boy, uh, uh, not Summer Slaughter. What the heck? I, I, oh yeah, I, this no no. You're right. Summer Slaughter, I think, is the other one they do. Yeah, I, I don't know if we know. It's not Summer Slaughter. It's something else. I forgot what it was. Oh, I, it's right on the tip um, of my tongue. I think, I think Jamie, the new uh, the new CEO. Um, every time I've interacted with, super cool. So I'm um, I'm I'm hoping for the best when it comes to our next label, uh, next album. Um, but you know we're gonna make some demands that we think we should have met, and we'll see what happens. But um, Jamie's a pro dude. He he, he likes the music. He like um, he's into music. Um, he seems like a good businessman. So I'm looking forward to uh, putting out a next album with him. But well, you, you, your last two, I mean, are just amazing. Corrupting Influence is phenomenal. I, I just, I was listening. I can like listen to to it through and through, and it's just, it's fucking killer. Like, you, you know, thank you. No, no problem, man. It's definitely we keep add, we keep adding you know, we keep adding new elements. You know, there's 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 more guitar solos. There's more bluesy stuff in it now. Um, trying to push the quote-unquote slam thing into directions that nobody's taking it, you know? That's that's what I'm trying to do with it. And, uh, you know, I got a group of guys on board who want to try to do that, too. So, you know, we, we, want, to, we want to take that, that, that tough, internal bleeding street sound, you know, and, and, and morph it into, not morph it, morph it's not a good word, grow it to have more influences in it, you know? Because, listen, I'm a... I always tell people internal bleeding is nothing but Black Sabbath just twisted around. <laughs> you know, um, being friends with you on that, Facebook, I see that. Yeah, right, right. Because Tony Iommi is the only thing that exists in my mind. <laughs> you know, which is good and bad. Which is good and bad. You know, but, um, that's it. Though that, that, that Sabbath had that groove. They had that fucking groove. You know, Led Zeppelin had that groove. I mean, 70s bands, nobody gives them enough love for their their incredible groove. Well, you know, I, there are so many... Even right down to Stevie Wonder. Well, here, here's, know, like, here's one for you. Let me let me ask you this question. The first death metal vocal was in Boris the Spider from The Who. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boris the Spider. And the bass line, boom, 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 yep. boom, 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 boom. It was. I think oh, Macabre stole it's their great. whole entire their whole entire music from that song. And I love Macabre. I'm not saying they stole it, but they. No, of course not. They emulate influence, that. Influence, yeah, yeah, that influenced them a lot. And in, oh yeah, and in, in, in some and ways, I, you guys. Oh, definitely. 
You can't say it didn't. Any band from the seventies, any band from the seventies is an influence of is, is an IB influence because that's those are the band, those are the bands. That I, I mean, listen, I love my metal and all that stuff, but I love my seventies band. Oh, you it's, know, it's, I just think they were great. They were great musicians, and they got paid. It was a, it was also a different time. They got paid to be. They got paid to go fucking, you know, rent a castle and sit there for three months to write and and, write, and do nothing but write an album to play together. How awesome! Would and that I don't be? care what you. I don't care what. I don't care what you say. There's something that comes out of that that's magic. Well, automatically you know, and, and that doesn't that doesn't exist that does, that does not exist anymore. No, no, definitely not. It's all cranked out commercial horseshit. You know, half the people yeah. aren't in the same bands, room. Bands just don't, but but even even like even in today's world, how many bands really get together for months on end and jam months on end until they come up with material? Nobody. You can't do it. It's 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 financially impossible to do anymore because the record labels don't have that kind of money to support a band no and i i mean i seriously think you see shit like like i was listening to uh an interview with uh what's his name from metallica robert robert trujillo Trujillo, and he's talking about how they all kind of like hang out at home in their own studios and send riffs back and forth to each other i mean that's not the same as getting in a room together that's not feeling the vibe from somebody running it out you know right and i bet when they were starting out that's what they did Right. Yeah. As they lived there, I didn't. They, at one point, they, I remember reading a Sam. Like they, they used to have something called a palm sandwich, which was one piece of bologna on your hand. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, when they were living in a studio, when they were all living in a studio together. Yep. You know. I mean, um, like I see you guys. Like you guys are always posting like new riffs online of how, and this is why I, I, I think you guys are just still like on the street level, like you were saying, because you can bounce those ideas off of each other. When you do it by yourself, it really doesn't bounce as well. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I'm thankful. I am thankful that, that Chris McCarthy, my, my, I would call him my partner in crime now. Um, he lives in my house. He lives in my, he, he rents my basement. So him and I are always at each other, jamming together and bouncing, bouncing ideas off each other, you know, and, and it's interesting with me and Chris, what's really interesting to me um, is, you know, Chris has a Chris has a very different perspective than I do. He didn't grow up in the '70s and the early '80s. His frame of reference is, you know, his frame of reference is Pantera, Slipknot. His frame of reference is Dying Fetus and Eternal Bleeding. You know, his frame of reference is way later than mine. So, what? what there's some really cool stuff because Chris will write something. And I'll put a 70s twist on what he writes. I'll say, hey, can we try this? You know, and there'll be some kind of like crazy, like, like bluesy bend that I add to his riff, you know? And then on the flip side, Chris does the same thing to me. I write some kind of heavy 70s bluesy stuff, and he'll go, hey, let's try this. And he injects like some 90s metal, you know, late 90s, early 2000s metal into one of my riffs, you know? And, and, and thank God both of us have open minds that, we could be like, yeah, let's try that. That's sick, you know. And um, to me, as somebody who, who who struggles with, as I get older, who struggles with not, um, how do I say this? Not wanting to live in the past. 
I guess, or I, I, or you know how when people get older, they get set in their ways and, you know, and, and, and in many respects, I'm set in my ways at, at, at age 53. You know, I like my lawn a certain way. I want this to be a certain way. But with music, you can't be like that. You can't, you can't be stuck in a certain period, you know, and, and, and having somebody like Chris in the band is, is refreshing to me because he opens up my musical vista and, 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 and I'm forced to sometimes accept things that maybe I wouldn't accept normally, you know, and, and I, and I, and um, I roll with it. And sometimes I feel uncomfortable about it, you know, and I roll with it anyway, because I know it's, 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 it's what's best. And I'm open to trying to get new things and do new things. So um, it keeps me really young and, 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 and um, vibrant and exciting. And I don't know, man, it's really a cool thing. And, and it's, it's interesting that I have a struggle with it a lot of times. You know, a lot of times I say, I don't want it to sound like this. And, you know, Chris is pushing it to sound like this. And I'm like, but it shouldn't because, and, and I have to let go, you know, and, and, and it's cool to, it's cool to let go, you know, it's cool to let go. And it's cool to be like, yeah, let Chris is, Chris is right on this one. He needs, I need to change, not him. I need to change, you know, and, and it's good for me as a, as a human being, as I grow older to, to be able to embrace that and it's um so not only am i being rewarded with becoming a better guitar player because i'm learning new things from chris chris is learning new things from me uh, so i'm being rewarded as a guitar player but i'm growing as a human being which is exciting as hell you know even though it's a you know sometimes scary uncharted territory yeah it's good growth yeah yeah man and i don't think there's anything wrong with that no you no, know? no and, not uh, at all I'm sure you guys are getting older. You, you, you know, you're, I'm sure there's certain things that you, you like your beer a certain temperature or whatever it is. I don't care what, you know, and, and, and if it's not right, you get fucking pissed off about it because it's not the way you want it, you know, and, and you deserve that. You survived this long. You've been working your ass off all your life, you know, and you want, you want certain things that you can hold on to. And sometimes you just got to fucking let go. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you do a pretty good job. I mean, especially like these last two albums here, and you do a good job of it, of, of letting go, but still, you know, incorporating that influence into your music. So, I mean, it's not, you're not, doesn't seem to me like you're completely letting it go, but you're. No, I you're, can't let it go because the, the ID sound is the ID sound, and I'm the gatekeeper of the ID sound. I mean, so it, I, mean I, 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 know when, I know when it's time to say, okay, put the brakes on. I mean, it very much reminds you know? me of King Foley from Deceased, like, because King is like got the most broad range of influences of almost anybody yeah, in death metal I've ever met. But I mean, it's it's cool because it's incorporated into you know their modern music. So absolutely, I totally totally agree. And and you know, I'm just not I'm also not. How many more albums do I have left of me? I don't know. And so now now the question is, at my age, you know, I want to put more shit into our shit. I don't want to put more shit in place, <laughs> but I don't want to. But I don't want to. I, I don't want to lose the ID sound. So, so the real challenge is, is how do I get everybody on board who's much younger than me to want to do some of the stuff that I want to do, you know? But it's still got to sound like internal bleeding, and then it's still got to be competitive with what's coming out now. Like the balancing act is pretty crazy, you know. And I, I think so the I'm answer, com- the answer know, to I'm, that I'm, is endless, I'm, endless albums. Right. Right, right. It is endless, you know, but, you know, there's, there's a fine line between going overboard. And, and I think we've all seen it, you know, I think with like 
I don't want to end up like with a Wolverine Blues album, you know? <laughs> that would be horrifying to, to, to bastardize the name of the band that badly, you know, and turn it into something that it's not, you know? And so, um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's a struggle. It'll, it'll always sound like I I won't let it sound like anything else, but I want to put, I want to put more complexity into it. I want to put a little more atmosphere into it. And when I say atmosphere, I don't mean like black metal. I was just going to say, <laughs> do you know. mean like atmospheric black metal? <laughs> yeah, but that's a good struggle. It sounds like, you know what I mean? It, it's a good, it's a good struggle to have and, and you're, 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 you're achieving something great. So. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. I mean, you know, I want to, I want to get a little more of my jazz influence in there and I want to like, like classic jazz influence in there. And I, I've got some stuff like on our new single that, uh, that we're working on. I've got a, a, a whole, Jazz passage that that I turned in that we turned into with Chris's help turned into like a sick fucking metal thing. Like That's it's awesome. It, 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 the way it transitions into a breakdown, it, it's insane, you know. And it's and it's right out of like 1960s jazz, but we 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 metalized it, made it heavy, you know. But it's still like jazzy complex, you know. There's the bass is doing one thing, the guitar is doing another thing, you know. It's all it's, it's crazy and it's it's neat, you know, but it, and it works within the internal bleeding idiom. And that's kind of the thing I want to do more. No, you've you done, know? I mean, you've done really well. I mean, the, the, I mean, the albums have all stayed current and they're amazing. I mean, brutal. Yeah. They're definitely 100% brutal. I mean, there's, yeah. there's not one of them albums that's dated number one and number two. I mean, they, they just stay current with the trends that are going on in death metal. I mean, it's, and I don't think it doesn't seem like you're intentionally trying to do that, but they just come across like that. They're they're, they're phenomenal. No, no, no. Definitely, it's definitely not like that. I don't I don't listen to other stuff and go like, yeah, got to be more like that. You know, um, I just want to push the boundaries of the band without losing that groove and that sound. And that groove can be different. You know, that groove can be not what I think the groove is. You know, Chris McCarthy's written plenty of riffs where it took me a minute to get the groove, and then I'm like. Holy shit! Yes, that is a fucking hook, you know, and that's great, you know. It's something I would never have thought of, but it works in the internal bleeding canon, you know. It, it, it's a hook. It's a it's a fucking hook that you're gonna walk away from and be like, you're gonna remember it, and when you leave a live show, you're gonna say, you're gonna hum that riff, you know. And that to me is the ultimate compliment. If if somebody's never heard a band and can leave a show and hum a riff or two from the band, that's 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 where it's at. Oh man. yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of you shows, know, that's where oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go up. ahead. All right. Uh, speaking of shows, uh, before the world shut down, you were supposed to tour Europe with uh, Cattle to Cap. Oh please, dude. We had so <laughs> much, we had so much. This is like um, I. We always joke about this. This is the curse of internal bleeding, right? So, every time something good's going to happen, it needs to be sabotaged by something. That's the IB curse. Right, you know, so like, okay, so I the curse started way back in the '90s when 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 um, Hollywood Records, which was a subsidy a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, actually wanted to sign us. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, they 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 were hot on us, right? You know, and they wanted us to change our vocals a little bit, and this was with Frank Reamy. Oh. Uh, they were hearing us that, like, and. I told him to fuck off, you know, and, uh, you know, 
I can't. They didn't sign us because we because we wouldn't change. And, and you know, a few years later, major, major labels are signing band, death metal bands. You know, right. uh, more of an angel. So that that's you know that's that's one of the curses. You know, uh, we did our first album. We did uh, the, the tour with Six Feet Under and Immolation. We were completely going up. You know, sales were going up. Everything was going up. Pavement crashed. Bad luck number uh, two. You know, fucking. Uh, finally get the band back together, all this, Bill dies. You know, it's like crash number, you know, I, I can't, I can't even just, I can't even point out to you the amount of times we've been sabotaged by, by, by forces that are not within our control. Just, just unbelievable. You know, so it's a, it's a curse of ID. And this, we had this summer, we had this summer locked down, man. We had, we had the cattle decapitation tour, which I think was going to, bring us to a much wider audience than we already have, right? And and we love those guys. Uh, like Travis is, is the dude. We Whatever. They're a great band, you know, oh, yeah, and they they're are. a great stack lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Nice guys. Well, they they oh, did yeah. they did and, put and out they, the uh, they, Bring Back the Plague 2020 shirts. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and what, what, what I like about them is they took the key standard. They don't down-tune at all, and they managed to pull off incredible shit. Yeah, they do. They're fucking you know? killer live. Holy shit. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So we were so psyched about that. And then after that, we were going to be doing Obscene Extreme and a couple other festivals, which have all been canceled. And then oh. in, August, we were spo- in August, we were supposed to go. We were in talks with DSI to go out with DSI to the U.S. tour. Canceled. Oh. That was going to be our biggest. This was going to be our biggest year. Our biggest fucking year in all our career was going to be our biggest year. It all got shot to hell. So the this bad, ain't, it's the bad luck of IB. This I'm ain't going to be you. rescheduled for 2021 like everything else has? They're trying to, yeah. Okay. Not good. Well, But you know what? The problem is, is with touring, um, you have to have the perfect storm to make a tour work. Everybody's got to be able to get off work. Everybody's got to be able to do this. The bands have to align. You know, the stars have to align. You wouldn't believe how many tours I've been asked to do, and they never, they never materialize because the stars don't align. Which isn't that kind you of know, a, isn't that thing? kind of a crazy thing now, where everybody has to get off work to go on tour. Whereas, like, you know, twenty six years ago, it was like, fuck the job, I'm going on tour. Now it was like, whoa, 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 hold on, I got to make sure I have enough vacation time for this. Right, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I don't have to worry about it. I own my own business, and ninety percent of my business is done on my laptop, so I can go. I can work anywhere in the world. Oh, nice! And fortunately, I have a band together that you know my vocalist will quit any job that he has. You know, and Ryan's uh, our bass player's boss is really cool. Chris kind of oh, my other Chris kind of co-runs a business with his friend, so he could take off whenever he wants. Uh, Kyle's job. Um, they let him off for months at a time. They don't care because he's good at what he does. So, like, I have we have the perfect store. We have we have the, the perfect lineup that that can tour consistently with the same members and not replacement members, and and get it done. And and now this COVID nineteen thing is just stopping dead in its tracks. Yeah, I mean everything that I had planned for the summer has completely just been shit on. So. And we, uh, it's not only the su- summer, it's the early fall. We tried, we tried to get, we tried our asses off to get out of the gate and play some shows in September. And we got a couple of offers and, uh, we're like, all right, 
we finally got like a week together of shows like in the Midwest, and then all of a sudden the phone calls came. Nah, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. Nope, nope, nope. So even the fall is kind of fucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they said early on, like fall of 2021, till you see shows again. And that, I'm starting to think that might be about the most accurate representation. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, man. You know what? We given, uh, we, we're given up. We tried so hard. Our vocalist, Steve, who runs a booking agency called Precision Metal, uh, he books most of Vader's tours in the U.S. Um, he tried his ass off, you know, and, and we had some stuff, and then it got canceled. And then he got some more stuff, and it got canceled, and he's like, forget it. It's like, 2020 is a wash. Oh, there's a big stink right now. I don't know if anybody else has seen this, because you know, I'm on blabbermouth like every 10 minutes. Great White played his show last night. Oh, yeah. And I got I to gotta laugh. Oh, really? Yeah, they played a, a regular show, no uh, social yeah. distancing or anything like that. I'll bet you that was the biggest crowd Great White had in the last 20 years. Oh, I bet. Well, I mean, they don't give a where, fuck. Where, they... where, where, where was his show? Um, North Dakota, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. but I, I could see North Dakota's numbers are really low. They're, North Dakota's kind of isolated. So the risk factor is, uh, you know, we could play in North Dakota. I don't know how many people would show up. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, it wouldn't be financially feasible <laughs> to do. You guys can play you know? in John's, John's Listen, backyard. If, somebody, if somebody would fly us out to North Dakota, pay us X amount of money, put us up in a hotel, you know, and make sure we were taken care of and flown home, we'd do it. But I don't think anybody's going to do that for a show in North Dakota. Christ, I'll come up and pick you up in my F-150, and you can play in John's backyard next to his pool if you don't mind. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't drive Fords. I can't be in <laughs> right, my, my brother's. All right, my brother's got a Dodge. We'll come get you with the Dodge. That's better. <laughs> there we go. Now, now, now we're talking. <laughs> As long as it's a Mopar, I could drive it. No, I'm just joking. All right. No, it's a four-door. We'll, we'll come get He's got a Ram. We'll come pick you up in the Ram, and you can play next to John's pool, and there's lots of beer, lots of food. Yeah. All right. Yeah, get me some cigars and bourbon and the pool, and I'm all good. Hey, look, my wife's Scottish, and I'm all about single malt. So, like, if you're down with that, we'll do it. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, so what, is, what, what currently is your favorite single malt? My current favorite single malt is pretty much anything from Jura. You like the Jura? Okay, I like yeah. Jura too. Well, my wife's uncle actually worked at that distillery, so. Oh, nice. And then my my brother-in-law, his, his, he's from Eiley, so pretty much like Bowmore, uh, Ardbeg, any of that stuff. Like his, He has family Ardbeg, working Ard, at all. Ardbeg's Ard, Ard, Ard awesome, but I find it a little inconsistent. I don't know. Uh, flavor that, that smoky peat just gets to me after like it's it's kind of a novelty it's great for the first couple you know drams but after that it gets old yeah 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 so lately i've been drinking um besides bourbon my, my scotch has been a uh, mccallan 10 oh not nice. the 12 but the 10 because the 10 has a little bit of a bite to it which i like and it's cheap and it's very good scotch i love my single malt too i mean uh you know if I could get Balvenie Doublewood every week, I would. I would be chugging it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I lived over there for a few years, um, just like I said, because my wife's from there, and we went and lived there. And I kind of started get, getting a taste for it while I lived there. And like I would get, you know, people just were always giving you like, oh, try this, try this, try that. So like I've really kind of gotten so cool. into it. What's That's your awesome. What's your favorite? Uh, right now, my favorite, uh, Scotch-wise, I think um, 
the Balvenie Doublewood 20 or the Balvenie Caribbean Cask 14. Those are my two favorites. Nice. Scotch-wise. What's your favorite um, cigar? My favorite cigar is, um, and I'm smoking one right now as we're speaking. I was going to ask that question. Unlimited, <laughs> is, 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 yeah, is a Diesel Unlimited Maduro, which is a, um, it's a cheap cigar, believe it or not, compared to a lot of other cigars. It's only like $80, $90 a box, which is pretty cheap for cigars. And um, it's just so good. It's like it's like smoking a, a an entire box of black pepper. It's the only oh, way I can crazy. explain it. Super wow. spicy. Wow. Yeah, it's super spicy. I love spicy stuff. So um, cigar is super spicy, very peppery, a little bit of leather like underneath that pepper, and, and with, with like a, a whiskey or a, a bourbon or a scotch. It's just it's oh, it's like heaven. That's you know? awesome. Oh, it's just oh, it's so good, you know. Well, next time you and guys, I, 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 I'm gonna have to stop smoking cigars in the next, you know, five or ten years, just because it's not, not necessarily good for you. <laughs> yeah, but, fuck uh, it. Well, only... you don't inhale it. You know, you don't inhale it. Incidence of mouth cancer and all that stuff from smoking cigars is very low, but um, you know, it does raise your blood pressure. And well, um, I mean, George, you know, I find it relaxing. George Burns was what 102 years old when he died, and he smoked one every day. So yeah, and he smoked shitty cigars. He smoked El, uh, like El Productos <laughs> and White Owls, which were basic, which were basically cigars made of cigarette cigarette trimmings. Oh like really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he didn't. Yeah, he smoked cheap machine made cigars, um, not not premium cigars, which. You know, like the premium cigar thing is like, it's so much different than like, you know, you say, like the people who buy the blunts to smoke pot. That's a whole different kind of cigar than a premium cigar. Like the, the White Owl stuff is all is all waste from cigarettes and from premium cigars and all that. It's all the stuff that the, the premium cigar people would never, ever think of putting in their cigar. Holy shit. Yeah, premium cigars are aged like wine and things like that. It's like crazy. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah, the t- whole culture. It's, the, the, tobacco's, the tobacco's fermented, right, in a really good cigar. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's, it's fermented to get rid of all the ammonia and all the, all the, not all the toxic chemicals. Obviously, there's some toxic chemicals in any, and I say this to my pot smoking friends, any combustion process is going to release toxic chemicals. And if you inhale it, it's going to be bad for you. If you put it in your mouth, it's going to be bad for you. Um, there's no way around it. Combustion just releases toxic chemicals. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, but premium cigars do their best to le- leach out all the, the ammonia, the chlorine, and all that stuff because it affects the taste. Hmm. You know? Well, it's interesting. I can, I could go on for hours, but we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about music. Well, the next time you guys get over to the UK, if you tour, like if you let me know, like ahead of time, I could probably arrange some sort of tour for one of the distilleries in Isley, probably Bowmore, because my brother-in-law has family that works. Oh there, my so. God, I would, I would kill for that. So I, I beat bad luck number like twenty-seven. We had a show booked uh, when we were when we went on tour with Broken Hope in New York. We had a tour booked in Scotland, and I it was in Glasgow. I can't remember the venue. And and I remember a bass player at the time, Jay Liff, pulled up this uh, bar for me that was like literally walking distance from the the club, and they had literally like seven hundred to eight hundred Scottish whiskeys, and they had a cheap each each t- 
table was like a tasting station, so like they had a water tap so that you can cleanse your palate after every whiskey, you know. And um, we, that's we were like, we're going there, you know. Let's we're gonna get there at nine o'clock in the morning, and we're gonna just start drinking and drink all day and try every scotch in that place. Oh. And of course, the show got canceled. Dude, there, there, there's a little town like north. Not, not too far from Glasgow. It's it's called Inverary, and they have like a whiskey shop, and it's it, it fucking they'll blow your mind how many different types of whiskey there is in that country. It just oh my god! Like you go in there and you start looking around, and it's like I used to go in all the time before I really appreciated whiskey, and I was like, who the fuck would want to drink this many types of whiskey? And now it's like, wow, I'd really like to try all those different types of whiskey. Oh so. yeah, man, it's just it's it's. It just, I got to tell you, it's its good for me because it de-stresses me. I have a very stressful, you know, I own my own business and I have clients up my ass all day, 24 hours a day, seven seven days a week. And, and, and my my whiskey and cigar time is that time where, where the world shuts off and I just love the whiskey and the cigar and it's just, um, I focus on that and all the world's problems, all the stress goes away it's like a two-hour break from reality you know some people do mushrooms or whatever you know some people get high uh, my thing is 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 a couple of glasses of whiskey and a good cigar and my life is a hundred times better you weigh that against the health risks and it's like well what so what are, you know it helps me de-stress what what kind of damage does stress do to my body? You know, you so you have to start weighing that stuff out. You know, it's not. I don't know. It's it's. I I feel at peace. You know, and I'm rarely. You talk to my wife. She 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 deals with my emotions better than I do. And I'm I I can be in. I'm in a during the week when when work is going on. I am a ball of stress and I am just depressed and and I feel like people are beating me up all week long. You know, and even into Saturday, and, uh, and then Sunday comes. Like today, you know, I, we were just away. I came home. My, my wife went up to sleep, and I'm here with a whiskey and a cigar. I'm talking to good friends, and it's just life could not get any fucking better. And, and what's the damage of the of the alcohol and the damage of the cigar is nothing compared to the peace that I get from doing this. No, it's got to give you a bit of comfort knowing that your music makes so many people's lives better as well. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, if it, it was, does. you know what, it, it blows my mind. And, um, I try never to forget that. Um, I've had, a, I've gotten a lot of letters over the years from, from, I say kids, but even when, even in the early nineties, when I was in my mid twenties, you know, 18 year olds would write to me, oh, thank God for you. You know, you write to me, I'm having trouble with my parents. I'm this and that, you know, so, being that I touched people's lives, like that's that to me is like it. It still blows my mind today. It just blows my fucking mind out of you know. I'm out of my head about how crazy it is that if I can give five minutes of my time to somebody, or two minutes, or thirty seconds of my time to somebody and make them smile, that to me is like that's that's one of the reasons I'm alive. You know, and I, I like to make people smile. I mean, one of the reasons I'm a huge goofball and um, I make fun of everything and I laugh my ass off and I, I just I'm completely politically incorrect and, and this and that is because I just want people to laugh and be happy. That's where And it's about. okay to be happy. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's 
fucking okay to be happy. You don't have to be mad and upset all the time. You can laugh. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to fucking laugh at other people. It's okay to laugh at yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think that was I always know, my dad. I always think ahead. there was a misperception about death metal and 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 kind of extreme music that we were always too serious and violent, and it was never ever about that. I mean, I always thought. My friends, I mean, like these two guys that I'm with here were both in bands that I, I roadied for and helped out with. And we always had the most fun ever, like yeah. any type of music. Like we laughed more at ever. I mean, like the, the lyrics might have been violent and, and the music might have been extreme, but like we were always the fucking happiest dudes. Like the fucking dudes in the other bands were dicks. I mean, they were right. never near as happy as we were I, in that style of music. I have an, an internal bleeding story. Uh, Divination opened for you guys. Uh, it was the Delaware Death Fest. And oh my God! I remember. Okay, so I remember the the the. the I think they only had two Delaware deaths. Yeah, right. And we uh, played the first one. I right. remember that. And we um, on our way there, I get a phone call, and the promoter was like, "Oh, we changed your time." And I'm like, "What do you mean you changed our time?" And he's like, "Oh, you got 40 minutes to get here." And I'm like, "You got to be out of your mind!" Blah 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 blah. We got there, and now it's like a big cluster. You know, you're in there in a hurry, and you're trying to get your stuff together, and blah 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 blah. So we finally get on, and we started playing without our singer because he was still in traffic. So until it was all said and done, you guys had were there. You were setting up your merch and everything, and you and Billy, you guys knew that we were angry because it was early. We got screwed, and next thing you know, you guys came over cracking jokes, just you know, being the being the, the good guys that you are. It kind of made us all go, all right, yeah, it could have been worse. We could have not played at all. And I think you guys even gave me a discount on a T-shirt, so I got my dollar back. So, but yeah, man, I just, I, You're I, still yeah. stuck on that dollar, <laughs> dude. Get over it. <laughs> but, no, you guys were so awesome. And Billy was Billy was so just genuinely nice because I gave – he was the first one. I gave all my internal bleeding CD covers to, and I said, could you sign this? And he looked at every single one of them. He's like, "Wow, you are a a fan." I and he gave me all the time in the world. Spoke very highly of me, you know, of us playing. And I just I, that guy was a, a a true gentleman of all the times that I've met him. Oh God, Billy was the greatest. Billy was the great. Billy, let me tell you something about Billy. Billy, Billy's a little shy. Billy was always a little shy, uh, and I'm glad he. he he gave you guys time because he knew who you were and where you're from and all that stuff. But he's a very shy guy. But oh my god, he the that's the biggest thing I miss about him is his sense of humor. He was he could take the most the most dangerous most like intense situation and make a joke out of it and get everybody laugh. Yeah, I mean he had you us know, um, he had us rolling. I mean we were all just yeah. really pissed off and. We we ended up leaving and we just you know hanging out with you guys it was just like oh my god this was so much fun and it was yeah, you guys that brought it back that's what it's that's what it's about bro I mean I mean listen I I was in that spot you know how many shows like you know how many shows when we first started we got fucked with you know uh, that's I mean that's part of coming up when you're an up and coming band you got to get you get you got to take your lumps you got to get screwed you know so. You know, I guess from us, from a wisdom standpoint, you just got to fucking laugh about it. Right. That's what's going to happen. But back to the Billy thing, though, I, I I wanted to tell you this. Uh, 
I have friends in the fire departments here in, uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And when Billy passed, um, I didn't know what happened. Uh, a friend of mine posted it online. And then when I read the name, I was like, no, that can't be the same guy. Cause I didn't know Billy was a fireman at this point. And oh, you didn't know. No. Okay. And then here he, you know, the fire departments here made like a big Facebook, you know, here's to our brother, you know, you know, a big tribute to him. And I was like, holy shit, I know that guy. I've played with him a bunch of times. And it was, it, the, the tributes were really nice. If I can ever dig them up again, I would love to send them to you. Oh, it's wild. Oh my God. That was, that was, that was horrible. Fucking. Um, so the night, the night he died, right. Um, I was, I was, I was just devastated. Right. Okay. Cause, cause him and I face, I mean, I started the band before him. He wasn't the actually first drummer, but I consider the beginning of internal bleeding is when me and Bill got together, you know, and he was my best friend. I never had any best friends because I'm a little bit of a loose, I'm a loose person. Um, but he was my best friend. We talked every day, three times a day on the phone, sometimes four times a day. And when he died, and, and it's on it's on YouTube, you know, channel uh, NBC News showed up in front of my house. Like, I swear to God, literally like 20 minutes after he died. I don't know how they got to my house so fast. <laughs> and I was just a wreck. And they interviewed me. And it was just, it was fucking horrible, you know? And, um, well, I was so excited in a way, in a weird way. I was so excited that all these news outlets, big news outlets, I mean, like Channel 4 News and all, they were talking about the band as well as the firemen, you know? And I was like, thank God Billy got recognition for being the musician that he was, besides being a, a brave motherfucker. He was at, he was at 9-11 as a volunteer, you know? And he told me horrible stories about what, what he saw, you know, he was a good man. He did. He was selfless and he was good, and that should be highlighted. But they also highlighted that he was a musician, which I thought was just it was mind blowing to me. You know, that's that's pretty incredible. That's they awesome. Usually, they usually don't acknowledge that part of it, but that's great that they did that as well. Right. Yeah, it really gave him. Um, and I hate the media, um, but they really gave him. Um, I think a fitting send off. You know, and they covered the full bill, the good father, the the musician, the good fireman, you know, um, he had his flaws. Of course, we all have our flaws. But at, at that moment, you don't talk about the flaws. You talk about what a great man he was and a great man. He still is. He, he's he's alive in my house, you know. That's awesome. I That's mean, great. Like I said, he. He talked to me and man and you and you guys just brought us out of that funk. And I mean, we were doing we we weren't just a starting band. We've been around for a while, and uh, yeah. you guys like brought us back into you know being you know happy again. So, but uh, yeah, you just gotta you gotta roll with the bullshit. Some of my bandmates get so upset about stuff, and I I just I don't know. I, I I'm like whatever. I mean, like we're here, we're in a different country, and. People want to see us play. Where's the problem? You know, we're not doing this for a living. If we're doing it for a living, I can understand being upset about X or Y or whatever. But I, I just don't understand. I, I'll never understand the rock star mentality. You have to never, never understand it. The next time you guys are over in the UK, let me know. I'll try and 
like if if I can coordinate it with with us going back to visit my wife's family, it'd be cool to take you to some of the distilleries like oh my that God, I have I access to. So we'd all we'd all we'd all love that because we have a lot of Scotch too this year. So <laughs> any you know, that would be that would be that would be amazing. Any idea on a new album or? We're halfway done writing it. Um, so we got one song down complete where me and Chris are happy with it. And then we have three other songs that Chris and I need to go back and forth on, you know, with riffs and, and things like that. The way the process usually works with writing writing songs is, so I write complete songs. Chris writes riffs. So I'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a, a, a complete song in my head. I'll go to my computer, I'll record the whole thing, I'll lay down the drums, I'll do, lay down the bass, I'll do all that. And then Chris will come listen to it and, and, and put his ideas in. And the song takes on a new character and this and that. Chris comes in and it'll be like, Chris comes in from the other end where he's like, I got a riff. And he'll play me the riff. And I'm like, that's a sick riff. And then we'll either go through the catalog, catalog of the songs I've written and say, yeah, that riff will be perfect here. Or we'll say something like, okay, that's an ending riff for a new song. Let's record it, and we'll work towards that ending because it's a perfect ending. So um, it's a neat little process, you know. Uh, we each write differently. and um, So I wrote, I wrote four songs so far, and one of them Chris, Chris and I have gone through already. And Chris added all his touches and all his flourishes to it, which to me, made the song a hundred times better because I was like, I'd never thought, think of doing this. That's a great idea. Let's do this, you know? So, and now we got to go through these other three and then we're like halfway done. Because these aren't, uh, some of them are, are, are fairly long songs. So I'm thinking eight or nine songs for the next album tops. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> com- it's coming along. It's slow. Um, and a lot of that's my fault because I've been in a, in a kind of a funk creatively. Um, I'm getting out of it now, so uh, we'll probably get back into sitting in front of my computer and jamming out riffs and, and, and playing around and stuff like that. So um, I'm excited. Well, when you guys got something new, be sure to let us know right away, and we'll uh, we'll pimp it out and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I could send you a demo track, but it's got no vocals. Um, you know, but that's that's we use that to uh, start our uh, we we do a weekly. Uh, live stream called the smoke sesh yep and uh yeah we use that as our opening uh song we use the demo song as our opening song um which is really cool you know that smoke sesh thing is taking off which is like crazy you know we do it every saturday and um it's a great way to keep in touch with fans and bond with our fans and get new fans you know it's a great thing yeah it is but uh well let's wrap this up a little bit here um all right. Now that every listener is probably asleep, no matter <laughs> how much you edit this. Nah. No, no, this won't be edited. <laughs> no. Uh, it's going to play in its entirety. There's no point in editing it. It's too you, good. You're not drunk falling on our table here. Not yet. <laughs> no, we've actually had that. Yeah, we've had that. That's why That's why I brought uh, that nice, up. Oh, nice, nice. I, I, I got a good buzz on. I got to tell you, I've had like uh, six glasses of whiskey. Ooh, nice. But, um... Got us uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bug. <laughs> well, like, if you ever want to get together, I mean, hell, we'll come up there and do it. We can record it in person if you ever want to. Like, I got the equipment. It's not a big deal. Hey, if you guys, uh, you know what? Why don't we try to do that? If you guys can get up yeah. here this summer, we'll do, we'll do that. 
Fuck we yeah. Do a, we we got to figure out how to do a co-live stream. Like, so you guys do it and we do it together and co-brand it together and yeah. do it together. That would Absolutely. Be That'd be fucking amazing. Yeah, we'll get together right, and do so that. Let me, let, listen, let, let, me, let me talk to Chris about that. And maybe in August, we'll figure out a way. If you guys can come up here and you guys can crash at my house. It's all good. You know, we'll have a little barbecue on my back porch, whatever, the night before, whatever. And then the next day we can set up and we could do a co-live stream or something like that. And we can figure it out. That would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, fucking right. We'll figure that out, dude. I'll pack the shit up and we'll come up. We're leaving tonight. Yeah. (laughs) We're on our way. If you guys are willing willing to travel to the risk lab up here, um, Chris and I will be glad to do it. I mean, you know... uh, We'll share each other's audience, and we'll do a, we'll do a live stream with whatever six guys. It'll be a lot of fun. That'd be perfect. That'd be awesome. All right. So um, uh, after we get offline or whatever, I'll I'll talk to Chris about it. We'll try to figure out some dates that might work. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Hell yeah! Appreciate I, I appreciate um, I appreciate the support and the. Uh, we all do, not just me, but every every guy in the band really appreciates the support. And uh, uh, a heartfelt thanks to any IB fan that's listening, um, especially longtime fans who stuck with us through all the bullshit, all the tragedy, all the IB bad luck, and you guys are still flying the IB flag. Uh, I can't tell you how much that means. I will take that to my grave, and um, I'll die happy.
Take it for all.